Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080. Annie Lennox, love that voice, the Eurythmics. Starting this week's edition of Spotlight Connecticut with Winter Wonderland as we continue with our Christmas and holiday bumper music. Hey, I've got to do it. I, you know, I only get to listen to these songs pretty much once a year and... Even then, I don't always get to listen to all the ones that I want to, but I'm not the kind of person that's going to be listening to Christmas music in July, although I think that there's a market for that. I think people are interested in it. But I got to tell you, I kicked off the Christmas season last Saturday myself personally by buying my own ticket and heading over to see the KC sisters in Windsor. They are amazing. And they were on the show last weekend. If you missed it, it's available as a podcast. If you go to WTIC.com, if you look on the Odyssey app, you can also look up podcasts that are Odyssey-based using Apple and pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. I'll tell you more about that later in the hour. But I I, I, I had to grab the ticket. Did it last minute because I'm just always flying by the seat of my pants and doing whatever my heart desires at last minute. I'm so glad, however, that I got my ticket to go see them. They were on the show, and I think that we're going to do another program at some point next year, so I wanted to have the experience of actually getting to see one of their shows. Last Saturday night, they kicked off their holiday concert series, and this was my first time going to anything holiday-related, truly holiday-related, for this 2023 season. They held their event at Northwest Park in Windsor. Let me tell you that that was an interesting venue in itself because it's largely, it's kind of like a state park. It's largely a nature-based organization that from time to time, I presume mostly Friday and Saturday nights, they host concerts of all kinds. It's very eclectic. Obviously, they have the Casey Sisters, which is primarily a vocal group. They have a ragtime concert coming up. They have only a string group that's going to be performing. They're coming down from Boston. And so this seems to be an unassuming venue for performance and eclectic performance, not just your standard rock or your standard pop shows, but local musicians and maybe some regional regional musicians seem to have an opportunity to play at this venue. It seats about 100, maybe 150 people. They use a community room. There's nature exhibits throughout. Like I said, it's largely a park and a nature area. And so when you go there, you feel one with nature. You feel like you're connecting with your community. And you're also connecting with some art that you probably wouldn't have much of a chance to see anywhere else. And so that is what Northwest Park in Windsor had to offer last week. And somebody had recommended to the man with the hat, I believe his name was Chuck, but He runs Northwest Park, at least the community center part of it, and he wears a big cowboy's hat. And so if you need assistance, as he puts it, you ask for the man with the hat or you look for the man with the hat, and really he's the only person that's dressed like that, so it's not hard to find him at all. Uh, But it was a nice area and a nice show, and somebody had gone up to the man with the hat earlier in the year and said, you really ought to book the KC Sisters as part of the holiday season at Northwest Park. And so they went there and they played from 7.30. I think that they were about a minute late. They were just about right on time. And they took it to about 9.30. There was a brief intermission. I did not partake in any of the cookies or the sweets, but there were tasty goodies laid out for people to enjoy, largely because I'm trying to 
watch my weight, but uh, people were enjoying the popcorn. Their hands were going in and out of it, which was, uh, you know, tempting, but I did not partake. So let me tell you about the show itself. That's the venue, Northwest Park in Windsor. The show itself, the Casey Sisters, what you need to know about them is they're not just a singing group. They are not. That's mostly what they do. That is what their skill set is, singing and in very rich, beautiful harmony. But I will tell you that their parents are musical. Their mother plays violin. Their father plays piano. And their father is a jazz band director and arranger. And so, as you can imagine, they incorporated these elements into their Christmas show. So they had a jazz band. They also had a string section. And the Casey sisters, four of the five sisters, were doing this show. And they're based out of Avon, in case you're just tuning in and you're saying, who are they? They themselves play strings. And so there were times during the concert when they picked up their instruments and they played a string solo or a string section with a jazz band. And I thought that it melded together very, very nicely. There were also times when the girls would step off the stage. And then next thing you know, the jazz band did its own solo. I have to tell you, and I went up to him and I shook his hand at the end of the show. Chris, that's the father of the KC family, the the big patriarch of the musical entourage that they are. I shook his hand. I said, your interpretation, your version of the little drummer boy was amazing. If anybody's a fan of jazz, you've got to check out one of these Christmas shows because it was deep rooted in hard bop. At times, the melody was tough to find, but it was there. And so if you're really into music appreciation, their cover, the Casey Sisters' cover of Little Drummer Boy as a jazz instrumental was really a can't miss. You had keys, walking bass, drums, occasional saxophone. Doesn't sound like a lot, but boy, did they fill up the time and make it very interesting. Another thing that I thought was really worth noting about the performance last Saturday night was their version of Joy to the World. And it was Tasha who told the story about how they combined Christmas and Three Dog Night into one. And you might say to yourself, you're scratching your head and you're saying, well, that just doesn't make any sense. Now, does it? And she explained that when they do their summer concert series, mostly mostly outdoors, People would say, why are you doing Joy to the World? That's a Christmas song. And then at the end of the year, they would say that they're doing, for Christmas time, Joy to the World. And folks would say, well, that's Three Dog Night. Why aren't you doing the Christmas version? And so all these people were confused. And to answer the confusion, they had their father, Chris, come up with an arrangement of Joy to the World that blends the best of both worlds. Christmas and Three Dog Nights. So it starts off with, Jeremiah was a bullfrog, and the next thing you know, it goes into a traditional cover of Joy to the World, and then back to the story of Jeremiah being the bullfrog. So I thought that that was a pleasant surprise. It came near the end of the night, and hopefully I didn't ruin that for somebody that's going to check out the show. And if you're thinking that that's lame, I'm going to tell you you're wrong. I think that that was a brilliant idea. And then there was one final last jazz band solo, meaning no vocals at all. And the ladies came back on stage 
in Christmas outfits, they had been in more formal wear and dresses and neutral Christmas colors. And when I say that they came back in Christmas wear, I mean like jammies. And they say that we want to invite you, the audience, into our living room and you could celebrate with us how we celebrate on Christmas and Christmas Eve. And that is through sing-along. And so they passed out words to the usual songs, Jingle Bell Rock, Adeste Fidelis, um, Oh Come All You Faithful, and um, and any other. Feliz Navidad was one. I'm just trying to think of them off the top of my head. It's been a long week. But I'd say that there were about seven to ten songs, and we all sang them. Go Tell It on the Mountain, that was another one. And we all sang them together there in the community room at Northwest Park. It was very entertaining, very well done. I thought that they are truly masters of performance from a young age, and they're in their 20s, from what I understand. I think that uh, there's plenty of room for them to blossom even further, but I think that for their level at their age, they have it mastered. And if you want to check out one of their shows, they still have several coming up this month, uh, one that's happening between now and 3.30 in Summers. So unless you're in Summers, and believe me, I want your ratings, but if you're in Summers, you could go check it out still at the Summers Congregational Church. It's a free event, the holiday festival, and tree lighting, but otherwise it's probably too late for you to make that. But if you do want to plan, you can go see them in New Hartford this coming Friday, November 15th, 6.30 to 7.30 at the North Congregational Church. Then again on Thursday, December 21st, so a little later this month, a little more time that you can plan this, they'll be in Canton at St. Patrick's Church. The KC Sisters, learn about them by visiting kcsisters.com. That's K-C, the letters. This is WTIC in Hartford. You can listen back to Spotlight Connecticut. Download the free Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, or visit WTIC.com. Look under podcasts and click on Spotlight Connecticut. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. That's exactly where you can find, for instance, my conversation with the Casey sisters. This show will be made available as a podcast. Sometimes it can take a few days for the shows to get uploaded and ready to go. But that said, once they are, they are. And you can find them and listen to them to your heart's desire. In fact, I just found out recently that our Spotlight Connecticut podcast is one of the most downloaded at the station. Third most. So we need to beat out Computer Talk with Tab. I love you guys, Eric, and uh, all of our friends from Computer Talk and Tab. They're number one. Uh, so uh, I'm coming for you guys, all right? Friendly competition behind the scenes at WTIC News Talk 1080. Well, uh, our conversation with the KC sisters is there, and like I said, I had a great time seeing their show at the Northwest Park Community Room in Windsor. Great opportunity. Met some WTIC listeners there, and... Always a pleasure to hear their stories, and they had heard our interview together, and uh, they're like, oh, you want to go see one of these? And so, all right, cool. I, I welcome that. I appreciate that. Now I want to transition a little bit, still keeping with all of the excitement that is the holidays and Christmas 2023. Connecticut, this year, we have heard a lot, a lot, a lot about transportation, whether it's improving highways there are a number of highway projects, big ones like the one down in East Lyme. There's one in Groton all the way up to the Connecticut line with Rhode Island. And there are some others that are happening that are ongoing. Big transportation projects that are underway. 
And we hear that we want to improve our highways, our roads, and this is not just a resurfacing, but make them safer. And we want Vision Zero in a number of communities, uh, really across the state, honestly, uh, where no pedestrians, no drivers get hurt or killed. And so um, we hear also not just about driving and pedestrians, but we hear about trains and we hear about electric vehicles and all of this talk about transportation, right? And all of our goals for the future and our ideas on how we are going to reach those goals. But I never, I, I never really hear people talk about transportation history. That is the understanding of where we have come from and how far we've come. And in a very short period of time, I mean, it was the 1930s, 1936, when our very own 66-year-long morning host, Bob Steele of WTIC history and fame, he came to Connecticut on, believe it or not, car and trolley. People think that he rode a motorcycle. I have recordings of him saying that that was not the case. Yes, I've done a lot of research into that uh, ahead of our 100th anniversary. But he talks about riding trolley cars in Hartford in 1936 when he came to the capital city. And the rest from there was history. But that wasn't that long ago. A hundred years, almost, is not necessarily a long period of time. It's not like I'm talking about the 1400s or the 1500s. I'm talking about early 1900s. And so we have come a very long way. And there's one museum, it's in East Windsor, that makes sure that people understand transportation history as it existed in Connecticut, specifically trolleys. It's the Connecticut Trolley Museum. Their slogan is brilliant. It's called Where History Moves You. And I had the opportunity to catch up with Gina Alamberti. She is the director of the museum because every year during the holidays, she decorates like mad. And you can ride the trolleys and experience a light show. And so, hello, Gina. Welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Now, I know from personal experience, having been there a number of times in the past, you guys get quite busy, especially on the weekends, don't you? We do. It's a popular event. It's a family tradition for many. Uh, families come back year after year. So we are really excited to put on our 45th year of Winterfest. Congratulations, 45 years. That's amazing. It is, it is. What's the history, Gina, that has led to this being an annual attraction every holiday season? I know that there is a history in Connecticut with trolley cars that people may not be aware of, but specifically your museum in East Windsor, what's it all about? Yeah, we are here to preserve and educate visitors on trolley history. And the line that we go out on was an active line back in the early 1900s. We had volunteers that started to lay track a long time ago on the line that once existed for the Hartford and Springfield um, railway system. I will warn people that if they go, it can get quite cold when that trolley gets moving. It can. We have open and closed cars. Um, people love the open car, though. They bundle up. They bring coats, hats, um, blankets. Um, that's a popular choice for visitors, our open sleigh, as we call it. Gina, it's been a number of years since I've gone on one of your trolleys, a uh, few winters at least, maybe five or so. But I do remember that you guys had a lot of decorations along the path that the trolley would go down. So when you take people out on that ride, they see or they used to see a lot of lights. Is that that case this year? 
It is. That's why we call it the tunnel of light. So it looks like you're really going through a tunnel of Christmas lights. So the whole overhead, the mile and a half down and back, is um, decorated with Christmas lights. So it's really, really cool. You're really out in the element, and you get to see all the lights. We also have our visitor center that's open that's decorated with um, so many lights. Every trolley is outlined, so it looks like a winter wonderland inside. I'm Morgan Cunningham at Spotlight Connecticut, and we're talking with Gina at the Connecticut Trolley Museum. Gina, talk about staffing levels that you guys have there at the Trolley Museum, because you need a lot of people to make this work and come together year after year and every weekend. Yeah, we do. I mean, a lot of people don't realize we're a nonprofit museum. Um, So pretty much everybody that um, runs these events and works the events and actually just all the upkeep on the the museum are volunteers. I am the only full-time employee at the museum. So our motormen are volunteers. Um, The people who restore and maintain the trolleys, the track work, the overhead work, the buildings, the grounds, all volunteers. And that takes a lot of money to run, too, because these trolley cars, you know, they need donations to stay afloat and be in working condition. These are historic cars, and they're on tracks, and things can go wrong. And when they do go wrong, I'm sure there's quite a bill. There is, um, and that's why we hold these events like Winterfest. This is what These events keep us afloat throughout the year. If we didn't have these events, we wouldn't be able to maintain our, our museum and restore the trolleys and maintain the trolleys. So this is why we hold these events. What do people need to know about admission, and maybe you could run down the times that they can go on one of these rides? Sure. So we do tickets online. So we scatter people. Not everybody's here at the same time. So you have to go on our website to purchase the ticket and the time slot you want to come. Um, www.ct-trolley.org. And again, we're running Winterfest every Friday, Saturday and Sunday night from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Tickets are on sale now. Do you guys still have the gift shop? Oh, yeah, we have a a good-sized gift shop with all different types of cool souvenirs around trolley history, and we'll have some holiday souvenirs. We have a theater here that we run a movie. Um, There's a lot of static trolleys that families can climb in and out of, a lot of kids' activities and some hands-on displays and exhibits, a lot to see and do. What about postcards? You guys have postcards? We do. We have postcards, yes. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I have a few friends, like four or five, who are into postcards. And so from time to time, we send some to one another. But it can be hard to find postcards these days. Yeah, you know, I heard that from somebody else, actually, last week they had called. But we have we have postcards, Connecticut ones, and then postcards that have um, to do with our trolley cars we run. Gina, anything else that people should know about the Connecticut Trolley Museum as we go through the holidays this year, 2023? Just it's a great it's a great spot, um, you know, if you're looking to do something with the holiday spirit um, and tradition, definitely come visit us. We're not just here um, to serve the visitors, but you guys coming and visiting help us preserve trolley history for our future. Well, I'd love to talk with you more another time about all of the trolleys, but as far as the holidays go, I really appreciate your time talking about it this afternoon on WTIC. We appreciate you having us. All right. You take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. CTTrolley.org. That's CT-Trolley.org if you want to learn a little more about them. 
and check them out. That's Gita Alamberti, the director. And we have more Holiday Lights conversations coming up on WTIC News Talk 1080. It's Spotlight Connecticut, Fred Waring, and the Pennsylvanians take us into the break. It's Silver Bells. City sidewalks, busy sidewalks, dressed in holiday style. In the air there's a feeling of Christmas. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080. Continuing on this Saturday afternoon, getting back into the show with another Christmas song I love. We need a little Christmas. Percy Faith. Love the orchestration, love the vocals. Just a great song, really it is, gets me in the holiday mood. And I just wanted to re-explain to everybody how you can find Spotlight Connecticut, the podcast. It is not hard to do, although I had my very first experience in teaching somebody how to actually find my podcast a few weeks ago. Yeah, I think it was the weekend before Thanksgiving or two weekends before Thanksgiving, sometime in mid-November. I was out and about, and I got talking with this lady And she said, hey, Morgan, what do you do? And so I told her what I did, and she said, well, how can I listen? I said, well, you can listen live on AM 1080 or WTIC.com, or you can listen at your heart's desire until you're totally content with having heard reruns of Spotlight Connecticut by going online and listening to the podcast version. She said, well, how can I find the podcast? Here's the deal. I'm going to be totally honest with everybody because I have my own masters. I've got the recordings. I've got the full shows, everything that I could possibly want to get my fingers on and everything WTIC related. I never listen to a WTIC podcast. It's true. I'm connected as much as I possibly can be to my friends and colleagues at the station, and I hear them all the time. And I prepare my own material all the time, and I've got all of my own recordings. And so it never really became much of a uh, a need for me, I guess, to actually listen back to any of my podcasts. So I prepare them, and I send them out to be published, which sometimes takes a few days, but they get online, and then they're there forever. But I personally never have the opportunity, really, or desire to listen back to my podcasts. So... I had a learning opportunity with this lady in teaching her how to find my own podcast. And there are a few ways that you could do it. If you'd like to, you could go over to WTIC.com and under podcasts near the top of our webpage. This is probably the easiest way, I think. You just click there and it shows a number of our show names. You click on Spotlight Connecticut. It brings you to the page with all of the Spotlight Connecticut episodes available. There is another way that you could do it. You could download the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. And then from there, you can look up Spotlight CT. Don't type in Connecticut, put in CT, and you'll be able to find the podcast using the Odyssey app. But there are other sources where you can find the podcasts. For instance, we're on Apple Podcasts, and this is what I ended up discovering myself with this lady and helping her. Find Spotlight Connecticut using the Apple platform. And in that case, you just type in Spotlight CT, and it aggregates, and there it is. And so I felt the need to do this little educational PSA to help everybody who might be wondering how they can find a podcast or hear a missing show or hear a show that they missed or be able to hear a show again that they liked, but maybe they didn't know how. And so I hope that that helps everybody. 
I'd like to transition now to talking about the Hebron lights in motion. After all, we are talking about Christmas lights and displays that you can check out in Greater Hartford. Now, Hebron, it is just east of Glastonbury. It's technically part of Greater Hartford, although I think people might forget about Hebron. But don't forget about Hebron. It's a lovely town, beautiful place, and maybe I'm a little biased because I went to high school there. But I do mean it. If you're trying to escape the hustle and bustle that is Greater Hartford at I-84 at Route 2 and can't forget about I-91, just go to Hebron, okay? You get off Route 2. You can do this a number of ways. You can get off in Marlboro on the Business District route and go out to 85 and you end up in Hebron. Or what's probably a little easier, look for the signs that say 66, Route 66 on Route 2 in Marlboro, and you get up there and you make a left and you go into Hebron. And again, believe it or not, I hear from people, how do I get out to Hebron? I really have heard this before, and even from people in Glastonbury, and I think that that's so pathetic that they are directionally challenged and that they don't know how to get into Hebron, the town went over. So there, I hope I taught somebody how you can get into Hebron very easily, and Route 2 is usually your best bet there. But once you're in Hebron, go to the center of town, and not far off Route 85 is the Hebron Lions Fairgrounds. This is where they have the Hebron Harvest Fair. They used to do the Connecticut Renaissance Fair there. I don't think that they've done that in a number of years, but that was another place uh, where they had done it. They kind of move around from time to time. But ever since 2020, the Hebron Lions have been offering what they're calling the Lights in Motion experience, and it begins usually around Thanksgiving. This year it was Black Friday, and it goes all the way up until December 31st. takes about 10 to 15 minutes to drive through this. This is not just a five-minute, quickly done experience in which you drive through, you see some lights, you see Santa Claus, and you go home. No, not like that at all. Your ticket will guarantee you about 10 to 15 minutes of light extravaganza. Uh, I have gone to a number of light shows where it's not necessarily impressive. Maybe they're using some older technology. I think in Hebron's case, because they started this in 2020, everything that they're using is, for the most part, state-of-the-art. They have new decals, they have brand new lights, they have new software to control all of the lights, and I'm going to get into this all in a second. And so what they're using is new. They have some new characters from newer Christmas movies that maybe your kids or your grandkids will recognize. And so I think that what they have done in Hebron is bring this holiday joy to a community that may not necessarily have immediate access to a whole lot of holiday-themed entertainment, and they have done so in a relatively fresh and contemporary way. So this is the Lights in Motion going on between now and December 31st. It's not available on all nights, but when it is, it usually lasts from about, I believe, 5 o'clock until 8 at night, some nights until 9, particularly closer to Christmas and around the weekends. And so you can get a full schedule at lionslightsinmotion.org. Now, let me tell you about how they set this up, because in early November, when they were setting this up, they invited me to stop in and actually see the process. Now, the first thing that you need to know, and I didn't know this having gone to this and other light shows, they don't use LEDs. 
And they're certainly not using incandescent light bulbs, you know, that you used to put up on your Christmas tree or that I used to at least 20 years ago. And I'd burn my hands after a few minutes because they'd get really nice and hot. No, not lights like that at all. These lights are called pixels. It's a clear little glass bulb. Clear. No color at all indicated with the actual pixel bulb. And behind it is a little microchip. And this microchip is connected to a wire. And the wire runs in a series with other pixels. And you can cut them to fit however many you need. You can add and so on. And so this is not just like, okay, you have 100 pixels and that's it. You can actually run these in a larger series. Then it's connected to a computer system. And the computer system is networked from one display to the next. And there are a bunch of different control boxes that are out in the field that are connected to individual displays and pixel strands. And from there, all of these control boxes that are out in the field are fed back to one mother computer at a central location. In this case, in Hebron's case, it's the office. And there you can program every single controller and every single display to do something. And the options, as you can imagine with computers, totally endless. If they want Santa Claus to blink green and red, well, they could do that. If they want him to be steady, blue, I don't know why you would want Santa to be blue, but just thinking hypothetically here, it can be done. They can pick any color. They can make him sing. It is fascinating. And it's also, I was amused to find out, freeware. Software for this is not expensive. It's free. And so what they did was they found a software that worked for them. They bought the control boxes. They bought the cut the, the, the cutouts. It's not cardboard. It's another kind of stronger, sturdier material. And then uh, they have holes in them where you put the pixel light through. And in the, the back of the cutout is the series of wires. And so you don't see it when you're driving by. But it's, it's behind, it's there. And uh, they do a great job at hiding everything. And all you see is the light end of it. So I had the opportunity then, once I learned about how this worked, and they actually had me put together one of the displays. And it's not easy to push the pixels through. Because you can imagine they've got to deal with wind and rain and possibly snow and blustery cold temperatures and all of that. And so you don't want these pixels to at all fall out. You want them to be sturdy. And so it's actually pretty tough. You have to use gloves to push these pixel lights and the LED chip gently through. They're, they're pretty robust, but you don't want to manhandle it too much or you'll break one. And so you can push it through into the display. Now, I had the opportunity after doing all of that to drive around the field while it was being set up. It wasn't working yet. It wasn't at all finished in early November, but I had the chance to drive around with Don David, who is one of the lead volunteers that puts this on, and I recorded while we drove around. We'll play that audio next on WTIC. This is WTIC in Hartford. Let's get back into Spotlight, Connecticut, with our friends from Avon, the Casey Sisters, a.k.a. the Angelic Voices of Spotlight, Connecticut. Morgan Cunningham on WTIC. We continue talking about the Hebron Lions Lights in Motion. You can find out more and a schedule and everything you need to know at lionslightsinmotion.org. Get out to Hebron and check this out. You'll enjoy driving through the country 
and getting to experience the lights in motion. Again, takes about 10, 15 minutes. It's not quickly done at all, so you could really enjoy the displays. Now, I, like I said, drove around with Don David before everything was set up and before everything was finished, and here's how the ride along went. So this is our 100-foot-plus tunnel and this was a, a big hit at the uh, lights in motion and what happens is we try and keep the cars moving through because people will, will stop want the tunnel to be completely empty so when they drive through they get the a nice you know, picture. the bag of picture right yeah. um, but it is it's amazing if you get to see some of the videos on youtube you can see the lights are spinning i mean it's really it's you feel like you're going through like a time tunnel where yeah it's quite the it's show. a little mesmerizing it is this tunnel by the way the framing went up with the help of the volunteers from wishes on wheels they showed up, uh, they even brought some of their own personal equipment to help us out on this. And uh, the first time they did this, basically it, it took a full day to, to get everything set up the way you wanted it. This year, it was a matter of a few hours it was done. I mean, these guys have it have it done well. We have the four nutcrackers here that are, uh, uh, and again, if you look at their mouths, there's a whole bunch of pixels underneath the mouth. That's so that a, they can move? Right, they move to the lyrics. Um, so again, part of the programming is you've got to get the song in there, but then you also get the words in and you match them up to where they, they're supposed to be. I'm impressed at how much you actually set up here. It is. And it's how amazing. much that you've obviously got stored somewhere around here where you can set up your reindeer and all of these other friends yeah. to cover all of the space that you have. This is one of our... Um, oh, is this where it, some of the storage This goes? is storage, yeah. yeah it's still, I don't know if you can tell, but there are... There's still a lot in There's there. There's a lot in there, yes. And in so, some of these cases, it looks like you just unplug them from the year before, put them in there, exactly, right. and they're ready to go this right, year. Right, right. That's what we hope, because we hope as we get, you know, each year goes by, you've got a better system in place for storage and for, you know, access. How do you, you come confused? up with an order for all of this and the way that cars are going to go? Well, you try and make it so that the, the pathway through the fairgrounds is as long as possible. Because that's pretty much been, when, when we talk to um, you know people that come through, comparing it to other um, venues for doing the Christmas lights, typically it's the fact that the other lights are, you know, within three or four minutes you're done. With us, it's, it's anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes to go through. And typically you'll end up hearing three to four songs during that period. If you went out and came right back in, you would hear a totally different group of three to four songs that kind of a thing yes so, so do you have up. people that do this multiple times oh yes we have uh, the people came in uh, and and we'd say you know you want to come if you come back again keep your ticket you get a discount to come through a second time oh no we're not going to next thing you know they've gone through four more times <laughs> because it's like well, I, I missed this out you know so yeah I, and I, I wanted bet to that every it. time when they do it they find something new that they, they hadn't do. seen before right how much then, land is here not just it, in the it, parking lot, but like the whole property altogether. It's over 90 acres of land on there. And that was something purchased by the original members of the club. They, um, the club you know, started because of you know, the idea of, okay, we, we had a small fair in Hebron, and where's it going to go? So they, yeah, they worked together. This is back in, you know, uh, 1969, 1971 type time frame. And they basically, you know, put their own finances at risk to be able to buy this land. Could you explain to the listeners who the Hebron Lions are and what their mission is? We want to be able to help people and in, in organizations in need. So our, our money goes to primarily local to being you know, the towns, Hebron as a town, but also the surrounding. We do a lot with the, the school. Um, you know, the, the, not just volunteering, but donations, needs come up. 
Um, we did a recent donation to the fire department of the uh, AED, the uh, defibrillators, uh, portable. So, uh, so we do things like that. But it, um, the fact is, it's again, everybody in the Lions Club, we're here for that reason. We're all volunteers, but everybody's got different skills. So um, that's the good thing about it. Everybody has so many different backgrounds, but we're here for the same, same reason, to be able to help people on that. Um, and we had our night of giving uh, some months back, and that night alone, the Hebron Lions Club donated about a hundred thousand dollars in different, wow. uh, yeah, to different organizations. Um, and then we give scholarships out for Ram High School, that type of a thing. On the day you open for the holiday lights, what does that process look like? Do you guys just show up and flip a switch and you're open? Do you have to do any testing and get things yeah. ready for the public when you open yeah. every day? Yeah, we we get here at least an hour earlier before we have to open, and yeah, we get the lights going on. We run through to make sure, you know, we'll we'll drive through either on a, you know with our cars to, to see if they look right from the cars, go through on our golf cars trying to spot anything that's broken, and then we fix it. Don David, one of the leading volunteers of the Hebron Lions Club, and they're putting on their annual Lights in Motion show. It is happening as we speak. Just go to lionslightsinmotion.org. You can get a full schedule, all the information that you need. Um, it's like I said, it's like going out into the country, and then you get lost in the lights. It's pretty cool. I'm Morgan Cunningham wrapping up Spotlight Connecticut this week. Again, if you want to learn a little bit more about the Connecticut Trolley Museum, ct-trolley.org or lionslightsinmotion.org. Those are the links that you need. If you want to reach out to me via email, maybe you have a show idea. doesn't have to be holiday-themed. Morgan.Cunningham at odyssey.com. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Odyssey. We'll be back again next week on WTIC. I've got my first Christmas holiday party tonight. Looking forward to it. Some of my dear friends down in Stamford. Haven't seen some of them in a while. So it should be a merry time. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye.